0: Hello, and welcome to Novel Gaming, a podcast about books and video games with divine visions of other (laughs) pop culture. (laughs) I'm Doug. I'm Katie. And it's a book club episode. Hey, hey. We read the 2022 book, The Genesis of Misery by Neon Yang, the first of a planned trilogy oh. that takes us deep into the... That, does that explain the ending a little bit more, hopefully? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book that takes us deep into the future and intros- <laughs> introduces us to Misery Nomaki, a stone bender, a mech pilot, and a messiah. Uh (laughs) But before we figure out how those things relate to each other, let's check in on the stuff we've been playing, watching, and thinking about lately. So, Katie. Yeah. What you been playing?
1: I have been playing... Breath of the Wild again.
0: (laughs) You sure have. (laughs) How's that going? Uh,
1: It's going actually pretty well. So um, for folks who are maybe just joining us or missed... Um, I can't remember when exactly I disclosed this, but a, sh- a short <laughs> while back, um, and by short, I mean sometime within the past year or so, mm-hmm. I deleted my original Breath of the Wild <laughs> save like an idiot. And I was like, I'm going to play it all over again. Because I was like, I got the DLC, so I was like, I'm going to start fresh. And then I started playing it again, and I was like, wow, this is a long game. What did I do? Um, and so then <laughs> I let it sit for a while. And now that we are getting close to the release of Tears of the Kingdom, or Tatki, definitely everybody's oh, saying that. Oh,
0: Tatki. <laughs> Interesting. Definitely
1: a thing. Totally a thing. Totally I like thing.
0: it. I like it. Yeah. I'm glad everyone's saying that.
1: Yeah. It's like, calm down about it, please. Um, <laughs> So because that is coming, I was like, oh, shit. I should actually probably play this again just uh, so I can remember what happened, even though oh, it boy. will likely not matter at all um, <laughs> for Tatki. So here I am many, again, hours deep into uh, Breath of the Wild. I just got the Master Sword. I've got two of the Divine Beasts um and i'm making some progress so i feel confident that i will beat it by the time uh tears of the kingdom comes out but i also feel confident that i will not be ready to play another zelda game when Whoa. tears of the kingdom comes out <laughs> <the> so <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to do a little something in between you know yeah what do you do you know <laughs> yeah
0: i uh i look forward to when totki finally comes out <laughs> and i'm like oh man you know what i should finally do is finish We. um <laughs> And then have no idea what anyone's talking about.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: um, have, you, uh, have you figured out how to do sweet tricks in uh, Breath of the Wild? Like all those videos that I keep God, running no. into now that I liked one of them?
1: yeah there's no way in hell i know how to do any of that stuff i barely survive uh (laughs) like trying to hit rocks just to get them to move when they're in that frozen time thing (laughs) i like yesterday i was trying to get bundles of wood to buy my house because i Uh didn't do that for a while so you need 30 bundles of wood you need to chop down trees so i was like instead of like going through all my axes Cause I broke all of them and now I need to use my swords. Let me just blow up these trees with the bombs that you get. And while blowing up trees, I definitely blew up myself multiple times. So uh, there's no way I'm doing tricks.
0: <laughs> I don't understand how people do what they do. I watched I, one today and I was like, the, the distance you launched yourself at means, yeah. you know, this map well enough that you knew that enemy was there like yeah. 500 yards away.
1: Yeah it's unbelievable uh, it (laughs) truly is like um i don't know unimaginable i can never see myself playing any sort of video game to the point where i am that good at it
0: i no (laughs) there's (laughs) nothing i i don't i can't imagine being good at anything as well as these people are at playing breath of the wild it's true true
1: true 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 yeah
0: And I don't know if you mentioned this um, on the podcast or if you just mentioned this when we were off mic, but like you, you had mentioned like when people get the chance to build anything they want in Tears of the Kingdom, it's only going to get wilder.
1: Yeah, the things we're going to be seeing, (laughs) like we we can see and imagine some of what people can do in Breath of the Wild, but with the new mechanics they're introducing about like creating stuff, like I literally cannot imagine the wild shit people are coming up with. Because people are still coming up with wild shit in Breath yeah. of the Wild and that element isn't there.
0: Right. It's I it's mind blowing. Yeah. People are so cool. Humans are yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. Humans are cool. <laughs> Video games are cool. Yeah. Shit's cool. Agreed. Yeah. Well, if not botwi, uh, what are you yeah. playing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> not botwi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> A thing people definitely say also still. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I can see where Totki caught on so quickly <laughs> yeah. uh, with all that precedent. <laughs> uh, no, in fact, I've been playing Paparazzi, oh.
1: uh, which kind of rhymes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you seen this at all?
1: I like just saw a trailer for it yeah. by watching cute games coming out in April.
0: Yeah! It's a cute (laughs) game that came out in April on Switch. I think it's been out for a year over on Steam, as I feel like so many games uh, often are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it just dropped on Switch, which is how I learned about it. Um, And it is a first-person photography game where you just take pictures of dogs (laughs) (laughs) doing dog things and human things. Uh, And it's very cute, and I like it.
1: Hell yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um have you had any favorite moments or elements or dogs that you've captured through your camera?
0: Uh yes. Uh first off, some of the dogs have like the funniest expressions. <laughs> uh I like any dog that has like unusually beautiful sparkly eyes because the uh-huh. game is like sort of like polygon graphics, so it's very funny to me when there's like a poly polygon dog like jumping around, a poly uh, dog. <laughs> Polly dog jumping around with like gorgeous like anime eyes. I think that's Aww. very funny. Um, but you can catch them like doing all kinds of different things. So like, there's the I- I've only been in a couple worlds because you. The more you do, the more like access you get to other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, <laughs> there was just like some guy and like a whole bunch of dogs like on the roof of like a fast food place, hmm. and I don't know what they were doing up there. Um, but it was very funny and I, uh, spent a lot of time doing my own sweet tricks like people do in Breath of the Wild to try to get like a good angle, which involved me over and over jumping onto a nearby building and then jumping off that building towards them on the roof to get like a good picture because I don't have a good zoom yet. (laughs)
1: Like taking pictures as you're falling type of thing.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow! Because I needed to see all of them up close, uh, but I but I needed but I didn't want to just get right up on them because if you get too close to them, then the dogs like get really excited and they like come at you like excitedly. Uh, so it's not always the greatest way to take a picture. So right uh, there's all there was also a dog riding a bike, which I thought was very fun. <laughs> I like anytime I run into a pug because uh, oh, yeah. I love a pug, uh, and uh, the way that they sleep is very funny because these. Mm-hmm uh model like the dog models the poly dogs uh they don't really animate they just like are they're almost like a little figurine that just like hops around so when they sleep they're literally just like falling over on their side
1: (laughs) (laughs) that sounds amazing
0: (laughs) it's very funny and it's very like joyful it's just like silly nice relaxing casual like their goals if you want you know and you need to do some stuff to like unlock more stuff but right uh, also it's just fun to like walk around and see what these weird little polygon dogs are doing <laughs>
1: yeah that sounds fun
0: yeah and i'm here for more photography games that's i this is what i want you know yeah it's like a shooter but with zero violence
1: yeah a true shooter shooting yeah. uh, your camera <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Shooting sweet pics of sweet dogs.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun.
0: Yeah. It it's uh it's nice. I like it. <laughs> well, uh I actually want to kick off our watching section. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. change up the order because I am gonna continue a conversation from last week about mm. the T V series Ghosts, because that oh. is what I started <gasps> watching. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um I watched the first series of the BBC show. Hell yeah. Um and I watched the first episode of the CBS show just cuz I got curious, mm. you know. Mm. And I wanted to get a sense of like how similar and how different even just the cast is. But what I will yeah. say is the BBC show is fucking delightful. It yeah, is it's so, so good. good. It's so good. Um I now understand and also appreciate your shout out to mary hell yeah um she's great i do like the, her a lot
1: the voice the voice is just so good
0: <laughs> it's really good it's so absurd and so good um i also you probably could have guessed have a sweet spot for the the like counselor guy yeah absolutely uh, the little boy so, Scout, uh, oh he's guy. so good
1: yeah. <laughs> he's so funny he's, he is good he gets he gets better as time goes on oh my gosh on.
0: He also, I think, is like, he was the first character, I think, that got like a sort of like, not sad, sad's not the right word, but like a really emotional yeah. sort of like story because he, yeah. he's the first one where you, and, and this can't happen for most of the characters because most of them died so long ago, but like, I guess spoilers for the first season of Ghosts BBC on HBO Max or whatever, but um, he's the first character that you get to meet a family for and i'm assuming the only one although i guess there's the guy who died in the 90s but like it was so sweet and i got like genuinely emotional over that stuff because i was like this is wild (laughs) yeah so i like him a lot um and uh i also like (laughs) i actually kind of like the the general guy or whoever that is oh yeah the closet
1: yeah spoiler alert the (laughs) closet uh army man
0: I mean closeted to himself, maybe not to the rest of us yeah every, everybody else knows it <laughs> yeah he's he's working through some things, um, yeah. but it's really delightful i I really like it it's it's a lot of fun um and very funny,
1: yeah, I genuinely like all of the all of the characters, both dead yeah. and uh not dead on that
0: show, yeah, um, it's... even the ones that aren't my favorite, I'm still like all right i'm i, I you're you're pretty good. Like the yeah. politician's probably like my least favorite ghost. Same. Like he's he's pretty good.
1: Absolutely, least favorite <laughs> ghost of by far. But but I think I we're not supposed like to him. like him very
0: much. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like
1: he's showing like politics, right? Like mm-hmm. what we uh, he's playing into all the worst stereotypes. So yeah. you're not really supposed to like be like, yeah, what a great what a great guy.
0: Yeah, love him.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy you're watching it. I'm so interested, the CBS one, uh, because I meant to watch stuff and then I just didn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think one of the things that had me so curious was because the ghosts in Ghosts span history, Like Mm -hmm. some of the ghosts are very specific to what would be considered Mm -hmm. like English history, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I imagine not all of these ghosts translate over to the CBS show. But I knew that at least the camp counselor did. Because I do think he's kind of the more cartoonish, like one of the more cartoonish ones. So Mm -hmm. I remembered seeing him on commercials for the US show. So I was like, that's interesting. I know at least one ghost is like a direct you know, Mm -hmm. direct translation uh, to the U S show. But it's not as many as I would have thought. Like some of them are similar. Mm -hmm. Like there is a politician who doesn't wear pants. Like that's clearly Mm -hmm. uh, a very direct one, but like, instead of um, like a caveman and like a British general, there's like a native American ghost and like a, uh, like revolutionary general. Ah. Um, There's like a, more explicit Viking character than there is, or and there's like an American greaser, like Viking so there's like,
1: seems interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't really know how the Viking ended up there, but I guess you know it doesn't not make sense, I suppose. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's interesting. So like, there are certain ghosts that are are very specifically like American ghosts versus the very specifically English ghosts, and like that right. to me is interesting. It also makes me wonder, like, is this a show that has been adapted in other countries as well because i would love to oh. see what those ghosts i don't think i would necessarily understand those ghosts as well as i do the english ones and u.s g- ghosts maybe but right. i would be curious to see like what the their ghost historical roster. ghosts would look like yeah the ghost yeah. roster exactly <laughs> <laughs> so i was very excited to tell you that i was watching that
1: yeah does the um, does the cbs show have the same sort of vibe
0: uh it. I mean, Uh-oh. i th- I think Uh-oh. the British one's funnier. I think the CBS one is much more. I don't know how. to Like, I'm not. I think smart enough about TV to articulate mm. what this is, but it has a much more American sitcom vibe to it. Mm. Um, so it's not quite as dry. And I do like the couple in the British show much better than the couple in the American one, which I, hurts me to say because, like I mentioned last time, one of them is like a beloved Power Rangers actor. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um. Yeah. But I just think, like, because they're main characters on an American sitcom, I feel like they're not, um, I feel like the couple on the British one are, like, funny and kind of, like, they're kind of stupid in a lovable way, you know? (laughs) And I feel like they don't let the American protagonist be quite like that as much. Mm. I also don't like the husband nearly as much as I like the husband on the British show, so. Yeah, um, that's That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so who knows maybe they'll grow on me though i did just watch like the first episode you know yeah so like they uh, gotta
1: warm up or something
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure <laughs> well what have you been watching
1: i uh have been watching a show a, a food show i'm back on my food show Ooh. uh called restaurants at the end of the world <laughs> what wait <laughs> yeah. what is yeah.
0: Isn't that like a Hitchhiker's reference?
1: Uh <laughs> The diner be. at the end of the
0: universe? Yeah, anyway. I mean,
1: it could be. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> feel like it is based on when we read Hitchhiker's yeah. and what this show is. Um, the basic premise uh, is that this chef, uh, Kristen Kish, um, oh, travels- Oh, it's gotta be Kish,
0: right? If, even if it isn't, she's gotta say it's Kish.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> The basic premise is uh, that Kristen goes to these restaurants that are in super remote places. I've only watched a couple episodes, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, deep in um, like a forest or, you know, somewhere on a very remote like stretch of Norway where they go and get ice from a glacier for a drink they're making. Oh my gosh so she goes to these places and there are chefs there who are doing chef things oftentimes they are like foraging or hunting to like supplement the you know the food that they have in storage or whatever to create these meals for mm-hmm. for the people who come there and it's oftentimes like Not a restaurant like you and I would probably go to, not just because it's like in the super remote place, but it's like a a restaurant that's like one table uh, type of thing, which feels like it would stress me the fuck out. Yes, yes. I do not want that much attention on me while I'm eating. Um, So goes to these places and works with these chefs and, uh, you know, tries to 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 create cool and meals that they wouldn't normally make and so Mm -hmm. you know pushes uh it pushes kristen's limits on what (laughs) she thinks would work and oftentimes ends up surprising in a good way Um, at least with a couple episodes that i've watched so far
0: yeah i feel like there's got to be like well who knows i feel like tv is has been changing over the past like five ish years or so but like i would expect there's got to be like at least one episode where like it surprises her in a bad way, you know. Yeah. Like the, the like the one episode or the one restaurant that's like notorious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, maybe not. Maybe it's just you know wholesome, pleasant just surprises. Just good stuff all around. Yeah, yeah we'll I'm see. Down for that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely cool. Like some of the things that you know, walking through uh, like a forest and finding you know flowers and berries to supplement the meal that you are going to create. Yeah. Or, whatever, catching the fish that you're then going to serve to people. Yeah. Um, So.
0: That's so wild.
1: Literally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for real. Foraging
0: is so interesting to me. Like, I'm too afraid. I don't live in a place where it would be feasible to do that, really. But, like, also, I'd be so afraid. Like, I wouldn't trust Uh myself. People who forage have to be so smart and, like, trust themselves so hard. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. I have, uh, since sense a lot of things right uh watching the last of us i watched a bit of alone which is like that
0: mm-hmm. reality
1: competition where people survive in the woods by themselves yeah. Um, so I've like been like, let me find if there are survival classes around here where I can learn foraging. <laughs> there are. Whether or not I actually go through with it, who knows. But at this point, I would definitely die if left to oh. have
0: to forage food. 100%. <laughs> Do you know, oh, here's a here's a proud moment that I feel like most people wouldn't appreciate. But do you know, uh, I know her from TikTok, but I know she's on other stuff as well. Her handle, I think, is Black Forager. Oh, hell uh, yeah. From Ohio. She liked, yeah. She liked one of my tweets the other day. <laughs> she was the only person to like it. And I was like, hell <laughs> yeah. I don't need anyone else to like it because I know you and you're cool. This but she's like, she's who thousand. I think of when I think of like cool foragers who are just super smart and like, so confident and would I just would need someone like that to mentor me because I she, would just be so terrified.
1: Yeah, she's actually reason another uh, one of the reasons why I looked into like survival and foraging stuff. Oh hell yeah. Even earlier. Cause I think I found her during yeah. the pandemic and I was yep. like, this is fucking cool. Yeah. She and was. I learned about you know mush this mushroom that is apparently like chicken it like has the texture of chicken i was like that's cool i wonder if i could find that and i was like yeah. i should not try to find that by myself
0: well i know the the thing that's so dangerous is like like you said she's from ohio which is right. where i live and yeah. i'm like so could i find this stuff if i venture out <laughs> of my sort of urban suburban bubble here you know yeah I've yeah. also seen her gather like seaweed. So is she surely she's hmm. not getting that from Lake Erie. I don't <laughs> yeah, know, interesting. I, mean, I grew up next to Lake Erie and I wouldn't need anything out of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair point.
0: <laughs> but that sounds cool. Uh, these little like niche places in the middle of nowhere. That's
1: yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, anything you've been thinking about lately that you want to shout out? Uh, Nothing. Nothing in particular. How about you? I mean, I had something I want to talk about, but I also, we were literally like right before we started recording, we were talking about aging and I just want to shout that out because I like what we were talking about. We were talking about like embracing aging and considering the ability to age like a blessing and how cool it is, uh, you know, to be able to age because not everyone gets a chance to and how aging isn't like a bad thing. Yeah. And I think and that was a cool convo that I'm happy to share with folks.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is cool. And like not just like aging, right? But like also like looking like you've aged like it's not a bad yeah. thing. Like the lines on my face are not bad things and I'm learning and working to like love and celebrate them because that means yeah. I've like lived, you know?
0: Yeah. I have like a a nice little like white streak that's starting to show up in my beard and I'm like, Hell yeah, you you stay. I don't know what prompted you, but we made it through it.
1: (laughs) I mean, I've got guesses based on the current state of things and the past. Can't imagine but (laughs) But hell yeah to aging. The gift of aging.
0: The gift of aging, exactly. I like that. But the thing that I, I, uh, I'm just going to shout it out. We don't, you know, I don't have much to say about it because I just started. I started listening to a podcast called My First Dungeon, which mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm realizing with no context could be so many things. Yeah. Um. No, it's a D and D podcast. Oh. Uh, uh, but sense. I would listen to yeah. a podcast about sex dungeons. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. Um. But no, I, the reason I want to shout it out is because I was listening to. Their new campaigns episode zero. Um, this is for a game that they're gonna be playing called die which I'm assuming is a pun on both dice and mm. dying, dying. Yeah. um but their episode zero was really cool to hear because they basically did like a group character building sort of session and mm. it was like so cool to hear because, the questions that the the person facilitating the game was asking were like such good character building questions. Like mm. if you're building a character for a story or building a character for a campaign or for whatever, like I, I feel like I'm going to bookmark this episode just to like go back and listen to the types of questions they were mm. asking. Cause I was like, damn, these are good backstory questions. Like, Uh, And it was really cool to hear all of them together doing it as opposed to, like, having their full characters built beforehand and just, like, presenting them. So I'm excited now to listen to this campaign now that I got to listen to them do this sort of group build. It was really cool.
1: That is cool. I've, like, never – I feel like all the – things that I have seen, which is not a ton granted about D and D when they talk about like session zero, it very much feels like an individual conversation between the person mm-hmm. facilitating the game and the person who is that character. Uh, so it's very interesting to think about it in a group setting.
0: Yeah. It was cool. Cause the G the GM was like asking them questions that they didn't necessarily get ahead of time, which for some people could be really stressful, but like I thought it was cool. And then like, for this particular game system that they're playing, the GM is also a character in the game. Uh So he was like, okay, like, I think it's only fair that since I got to ask you all questions now, like, you get to ask me questions for my character. So he just, like, turned that over to the entire group, and they all just got to ask questions. And it was just, like, a cool thing to see. They also talked a lot about, like, you know, establishing boundaries, and Mm -hmm. it was just a really cool session zero, you know? I thought it was really awesome, so. Um, And uh, the reason I... Even started listening to it's because uh Nathan Yaffe from Draffy and Carolyn Page from lots of things um are on the cast, so oh, I'm cool. very glad I decided to check it out
1: even more reason to to yeah. check it out
0: well, shall we uh tra- I don't have a transition for this we just we have a book we write a book let's
1: just fucking dive right in let's and jump uh, through stone right into let's it. let jump
0: through stone let's let's uh melt ourselves through stone. Uh, into the discussion of this book. (laughs) So like I mentioned at the top, we read The Genesis of Misery by Nian Yang. Uh, This is a relatively recent book. Uh, It's not even a year old, I don't think. Um, And like I mentioned, it's the start of what's meant to be a trilogy. So there is much more story to come. Uh, And I feel like we're going to have plenty to talk about.
1: We are. But before we talk about the plenty... Yeah. I am so interested in how. I have an idea, but I'm so yeah. interested in how you came across this book and why you chose it.
0: Yeah, I wanted a like unabashedly sci fi book that Check. was also unabashedly queer. Check. Uh, written by a queer person. Check. So yeah. that's how I started looking. And then I saw that this one was described as. Like a space opera meets Joan of Arc. I don't know, or I didn't huh. know anything about Joan of Arc. Weirdly, I feel like that's someone lots of people know about, and uh, I realized I don't do know I that dag. much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I brushed up before this conversation. Oh, I nice. did like a low crash course um, because I was curious after reading this book. Like, is this Joan of Arc? Uh, so mm. you know, I think there is a conversation be had there. But that is how I ended up with this one okay do we have one sentence descriptions for this one at the ready
1: <laughs> at the ready is the thing because yeah. i struggled to think i think i was like thinking about how yeah. the fuck can i describe this in one sentence and i have a general idea do you have something ready to go
0: No, but I'm I'm willing to do it on the fly.
1: I I mean, I think that's what we're both doing.
0: (laughs) All right. (laughs) I think I would say that this is the story of a reluctant chosen one who embraces their chosen oneness once they start piloting a mech. And it's in space.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a person who gets kind of caught up in religious and political power struggles Mm -hmm. who takes on a role of a chosen one in space with mechs and (laughs) angels, Uh, hallucinations, (laughs) who knows? I mean, there's a little at the end that makes you think about if you know. But yeah, for the non-spoiler sentence.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to cover, which makes a one-sentence description very difficult. Um I also feel like the book's like kind of shifts focus at a certain point, and that also makes it tough. Um, uh-huh. But we can get into that after this spoiler warning. We are going <laughs> to spoil stuff. If you have not read The Genesis of Misery, um and it sounds like something you would like, and I could see uh, easily how it would it's queer it involves mech it's in space um, it's really fucking cool you the might want to read it very right. cool absolutely and the cover does represent like stuff that happens in the book it's not uh-huh. it's not a arbitrary cover you know so if it gr- it's grabbing you uh, maybe avoid this and come back uh, after you've read it because uh, there are definitely things to spoil yes so spoiler warning has been issued I would love to know what you think of our main character, Misery Nomaki. Because the book is pretty much entirely about them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it is, right? It's like they are the main character. She, I feel like even in the chapters where she is not a parent, they are still uh like being talked about. They are the focus, even if it's yeah. other characters connecting she's at the center of it and i honestly am not entirely sure how i feel about misery i went on a journey um mm-hmm. where in the beginning i was very much i'm in your corner i uh i'm like rooting for you and then as we get deeper into the book i'm like i I guess I'm still rooting for you. And then when we get <laughs> deeper in the book, I'm like, I don't think I'm rooting for you.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so that's without, I mean, without spoiling everything right now, right? Building up a little. That That is my that is my journey with Misery.
0: Yeah. I had a very similar journey, if not the exact same journey. Because when we <laughs> meet Misery, uh, Misery and Omaki, they... Are like this very sort of like rascally, yeah, uh, a rascal. character. Yeah, total like full rascal, anti like systems, anti like uh-huh. authority, uh-huh. Uh, like just trying to like escape the clutches of the government. Basically, like somebody who was raised on like a a mining colony moon, who just like doesn't want to be a part of of the the world that is ruled by the empire right Mm -hmm. like and i was here for it and they seemed like such a pain in the in the empire's ass and i loved Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um and i was like so on board immediately i was like i'm here for misery but yes as things continue to happen um and as (laughs) misery uh sees herself differently throughout the Mm -hmm. book i also want to clarify every character in this book gets uh, their pronouns clarified and miseries are she they, so it is likely we will use both for them. Um but uh but as, as she like learns more about herself over the course of the book, the less I feel like I'm on her side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a weird journey to go through in a book yeah. when I feel like we are supposed to be on her side the whole time?
1: Maybe? I don't That's know. That's what I was struggling with. I don't know. Because what like Like, one of the central kind of tensions in this world, right, or in this universe, is between the faithful, right, the people who believe in the Lyric's Forge, um, and the heretics, the people who believe more in technology. Yes? Is that what their belief is?
0: Okay, we have to talk about this, because I don't know. Like... I feel like at the beginning of the book, like maybe three chapters in or something, we get like a pretty explicit description of what the what the book means when they describe a group of people called the faithful. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that description, it's like, but the heretics might describe it differently. And I was like, great. At some point, we're going to learn their side of the story. We never do. <laughs> That's all
1: I wanted. That is all I wanted, Doug. Right. I just was like let me hear about what they believe. Right. Maybe I, I think I might be on their team.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Okay. Also, if you're going to set up a, a dichotomy of the faithful and the heretics, I'm going to side with the heretics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the thing. I was like willing to have an open mind because it's obviously not our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you have different systems, you have different, um, you know, entirely different societies and stuff like that. But I do think this book, like even though they don't say God or Christianity or anything like that, I do feel like the faithful in many ways do uh, represent that. And if this is meant to yeah. be an homage to or a retelling of Joan of Arc, I think it's pretty explicit. So like, there were many times where I was like, I I don't think I like the faithful. I don't think I'm on the church's side. It's literally called the church, like in the book. Um, but but they told us so little about the heretics that I was like the one thing I know is that they decided that there is no magic or mysticism and that everything can be explained. And I'm like, okay, so rational people who believe in science, (laughs) I like them. (laughs) But then we're just told they're bad guys and we don't really know why. Like, why are they bad guys? Do you know why they're bad guys? Do you know why they're like the enemies in this book?
1: (laughs) I think it's because they don't believe in what the faithful believe. So like, I did see parallels right it's a different a different universe right different rules all this kind of stuff but there were definitely parallels so like the faithful for the vast majority of the book um are like the power right they are kind of uh there's a church and there's a government and they're separate but they're not separate so like there's a power struggle within them but the the beliefs of the lyrics forge kind of underpin everything within the government so like the
0: the imperial family are faithful
1: right they're saints one of them is literally a saint um and so like this idea of you know religious people being in positions of power controlling what people think controlling what people um believe and how they're supposed to act and so the heretics which challenge their way of thinking and believing and show that there is something different are therefore enemy, right so like I know there was like fighting and stuff i don't i quite honestly I don't remember if it talked about how it all literally started, um, but that was my my interpretation yeah. of why they are on opposite sides. It's because the faithful do not want the heretics to exist. they want to wipe them out,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's that is the impression I get. And the thing that's odd is like none of that is inherently the pieces of a bad book, right? Or a bad story. It's all actually good stuff it's all stuff I thought was really fascinating, right? Yeah. That's so juicy. Like they even Yeah, for sure. They even go into like the origin story of like how this came to be. They don't get into like the deep history of it, but basically like way back when humanity sent, uh, you know, arcs of people out into space to find new worlds. And then like centuries or millennia later, um, like sickness hit those arcs or that arc. And these eight Messiahs went out to try to find a, uh, a way for humanity to survive. And they found God, basically. <laughs> they mm-hmm. found the lyrics forge. And then two of those eight Messiahs broke off and said, there's a better explanation for this. And that's how it all started. And and that's all the history we got. And I'm sure there's deeper history because there's so many things referenced in this book that right. we don't get explanations for that there's like clearly a history for. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just don't get it in here. And so like, I just wish, and and it's it's worth noting that misery at first bucks up against these systems, but at a certain point in the book then decides like, I'm not faking being a messiah. I actually am a messiah. So mm-hmm. I also want to wipe out all people who are heretics. I mm-hmm. also want to violently destroy them all. Yep. And that's where I'm like, this doesn't necessarily make you a bad character. It makes you compelling. It might make you a bad person, but it doesn't make me make you a bad character. Like there's depth to you. Right. But I do feel uncomfortable having you be the person I think I'm supposed to be rooting for. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if it's going to upend. I was, I was waiting for Misery to have to wake their up. eyes opened yeah. to the situation. I,
1: <laughs> I thought when uh, she realized Jericho was not uh, yeah. an illusion and was in, in fact a heretic that was imprisoned
0: mm-hmm.
1: and secretly held for years, I thought mm-hmm. that that was going to be like, oh shit, this person who I have come to know and care for has been... Um, Maybe hasn't been all the way truthful, right? Because, like, yeah. Jericho pretends he is this delusion. Um, But I know them. They are gentle and kind and have given me comfort. And I'm, like, surprised that this has been – that this, like, prison has existed here mm-hmm. and that we've been doing this. And that seems wrong. Instead, she's like, I'm embarrassed, And I'm going to dig down even farther, and this is going to be my breaking point in saying that I'm definitely going to kill all the heretics. I was like, what the fuck, Misery? Yeah. What would older, like, what would, what would older, what would younger you say to the you you are now type of thing?
0: Yeah, the the you you are now. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Don't think that younger Misery would like uh, older Misery. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think what's interesting is I feel like the breaking point in the story or like the, the awakening in the story is presented not as maybe this entire population of people that I want to violently wipe out is our people. It's actually like, Oh, the faithful and the heretics have actually been working to establish an understanding peacefully. And the faithful empire doesn't want to, eradicate this whole other population of people and that's corrupt. And now I hate everyone.
1: <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. what? What? I've been like, betrayed. I, I...
0: Yeah. And so this is what's yeah. so interesting to me about this book is like, I feel like I, sometimes a book explicitly tells you who you are supposed to root for and what you're supposed to think about parties involved and stuff like that. Right. Right and sometimes they like leave it open to interpretation and that's part of the experience I feel like this book sometimes got confusing because I feel like the only impression we ever got of the heretics is that they are the bad guys like they're the evil heretics that must be destroyed even when they present like what a heretic ship looks like they're like it's dark and all black and angular and scary <laughs> you know and um, they
1: pilot it weird
0: And they yeah and they, they pilot it so weird aren't they weird <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I do think there's something interesting to the idea that you would write a book that has a character who goes through an unexpected transformation, a a transformation for what would typically be considered for the worse, right? Like, Mm -hmm. especially if you know there are other books coming. So I do think it's interesting that misery goes through this journey and ends up being what I personally think is an unlikable person because it's not what I expected um, I'm just worried that the book wants us to side with her.
1: <laughs> I feel like it doesn't. I feel like it wants us to okay. have these Ooh. complicated <gasps> feelings. Good. Because I have when them. <laughs> you, yeah. Because I, I feel like we're supposed to. Because I feel like while I was reading this, I was like, what, a, what I was thinking about or reflecting on is like how dogma, religious dogma, like buying in unabashedly, no questions mm-hmm. asked, believing that you are some special, and it. I feel like they they talk about this. Ruin and Jericho, when we find out they are the beings kind of talking with one another, I feel like – because the whole book is written as a conversation between the two where Ruin is telling Jericho this story of misery. Um, and we don't know that in the beginning. We just see these two mm-hmm. beings, right? And so there are times, there are interludes, there are injections within the story where there is a little bit of like, well, all you humans really need is just – the someone does even suggest that you are chosen or heroes mm-hmm. in some way, and you will fucking run with it. Yeah. And so I feel like this book had me really thinking about that, right? The religious dogma, the mm-hmm. people telling you you are chosen, then you starting to believe it, and then you changing and acting in ways that are quite, quite like she killed like a ton of people and did so not feel bad people. about it at all, right? So, like, I feel like the point of it is for us to grapple with this and how does power corrupt, how does this like deep belief corrupt and how does it lead people to make terrible decisions and hurt others without guilt or remorse?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think all that's in there and can't be an accident, right? Like it can't be the incidental takeaway from the book. It's just so surprising that the book ends without ever And I guess it's just because the author knows they're writing more. And I think we as readers can learn that, right? Uh, But you don't necessarily know that when you're reading the book. Yeah. Um, You saying
1: that made me feel stronger that this, that that takeaway, that that reflection I was doing is more in line. Because at first I was like, when it ended, I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I don't know how to feel.
0: I mean, I have to imagine that this first book, given that it takes place basically entirely with misery acting as an agent of the empire and therefore the faithful the second book based on how this one ends with her being a captive of the heretics will likely take place with her in the context of them and we will then learn about them and her interactions with them and she will learn about them I imagine there'll be an entire new sort of like character transformation that's what I am imagining And I'll be excited to see that. What's interesting, though, is like fully, fully agree that this book is so much about that dogma and how it affects people. What's unfortunate is I feel like...
1: (laughs) If you aren't critical.
0: Well, there's that. If you're uncritical and you just take everything... Like if if you're super into misery and you just like are totally down for whatever she's down for, like that's not great. Um, But also, I do feel like because our protagonist is the one going through that journey... Like, when she finally buys into her place as the Messiah, I feel like she becomes, and therefore the story becomes, like, way less fun to read. And that was, Mm. like, kind of a bummer. I was like, whoa. Because, like, there are so many times where, like, her actions or, like, her justification for other people's actions or how she counsels other people goes from what I thought was a really cool, complicated sort of motivation to just, like... God says so.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, Damn. All right.
1: Yeah. Because in the <laughs> beginning, she like bullshits a little bit. She's like, I heard my brother say this. So I'm going to say this kind of like vague religious thing. And yeah. people are going to eat it up. And, and I how fun to survive. was that? I thought that
0: tension alone could have carried. And and you know what? That tension probably has carried many stories, which is probably why Neon Yang didn't want to write that book. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I appreciate that they wrote this book instead. But that tension can carry many stories. The idea of everyone thinks I'm a messiah and I don't, but I'm going to play into it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's great. Um, But I guess the more I think about it, the more fascinating it is that Neon Yang decided like, no, what if this character actually ends up like high on their own supply? Like, yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And it was like, uh, I, when uh, Misery like embraced the messianess of it, in the beginning, I was like, okay, okay, let's like see what happens, right? (laughs) Like, I'm nervous, but I'm here, you know? Um, And like, you know, after she becomes a messiah, she's still kind of like doing rascally things, right? So she's still Mm -hmm. in the beginning, kind of bucking you know formality and tradition. She's like, she starts fucking lightning. Hey, let's have a three way with Spider, right? Let's yeah. do Let's do a, let's do oh, a little fun things together, right? So like, I'm like, okay, okay, you're like a Messiah of the people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then it who like fucks, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and then it like escalates, right? And gets. I mean, she still fucks, uh, but it. It, you're right. It, it escalates to the point of like, uh, divine will is telling me to do this. So I am not going to question. I'm also all these little things I am going to make meaning of. So these dreams that I've had, I am instead going to make reverse meaning of what they are. And then when I Mm -hmm. get to this point, like when um, she takes, I mean, the kind of final climax of this part, when she takes um, the seraphs and her mech, her divine mech to, uh, you know, stop the siege and finds, like, Lady Storm. And originally she thought the dreams of Lady Storm were telling her to go there. And then when she's there and she realized Lady Storm is actually, like, trying to make things better and create this truth she's like oh actually my dreams were telling me that this was happening instead And it's like okay <laughs>
0: yeah that is where that is where she as a character like fully lost me where like yeah you have lady storm being like i will not accept that the only way to solve this is through violence <laughs> and misery yeah. is like kill them all yeah. I was like, oh no and Cut was like the then you have to die too and i'm like no no yeah no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also it's thought so wild. <laughs> yeah,
1: I also thought in when that moment was happening because I yeah. can't remember exactly what it was about the Messiah, but I felt like there was something about the scar. And mm-hmm. then um, Lady Storm is talking to Essie. Uh, Essie Temple is that what the last yeah. name is? Yeah, um, who's
0: like viewed as one of the leaders of the the heretics, right? Like, the heretic uh, hero. military faction. Yeah.
1: Yeah has the same scar. And so I was like, holy shit. Like, is there going to be some sort of Messiah off Um, (laughs) type of thing? Uh, Which there wasn't. Uh, But I was like, oh, is something going to happen here? I mean, something did happen here, but not what I, not what I thought.
0: Also really fascinating since we're talking about um, SC temple, like spider is one of the pilots that pilots a mech alongside Uh, misery right Mm -hmm. and spider's sort of backstory is like he wants revenge on the heretics for like destroying his whole crew and what he saw as like this really horrific dirty sort of uh military maneuver right the sort of Mm -hmm. like all-out assault that was just like war is war but like viewed it as just like fully unnecessary carnage right Mm -hmm. um and then Like, like almost at the very end of the book, like we have um, Lady Storm basically tell Misery, like, I know that Spider told you this story, but like, that's not how it happened. And there's not like enough book or it's really not, it's not the focus of what's happening in that moment. Um, But you're just as a reader left with like, wait, now I don't really know what to believe. You know, like, it's actually kind of fascinating because she just says like, no, it was an accident. Like mm-hmm. it was an accident. It wasn't supposed to go that way. Essie never would have done that on purpose. Um, and there's just two sides to this story. Uh, and we as readers are just like, shoot, which one's real? We don't know Essie Temple yet, you know? So yeah. I can't wait to get to know, and I have to assume we're going to. I can't wait to get to know like the heretic side of things because we just there's such a mystery throughout this whole book. And then and then Nian Yang drops these like little seeds. Primarily towards the end that make yeah. us start questioning, like, well, I didn't know very much about them before, but now the little things you've told me are like kind of complications in this sort of they're just bad guys uh, presentation, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, and like I think uh, I think Lady Storm talks like or says something like, I feel like if we just got Essie and we just got uh, Diamond in If we had them in the same room and they talked, I bet mm-hmm. they would have forgiven. Like, I bet they would have been able to move forward. But Diamond fucking drives a goddamn ship into uh, Essie's ship because misery, yeah. right? Like, sets this all up to have this happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, there, that moment was just on top of the, like, Lady Storm being, like, misery-like there's got to be another way besides violence. And, like, I bet if we were able to get them and actually have them talk and connect with one another, like, there would have been a way forward that was not violence. And then, again, when um, Misery gets, like, uh, arrested, right, Mm -hmm. by the end of the book and is being kind of held for transport, Lady Storm again tries to talk to her and be like, but, like, listen, though, like, heretics are also human there were points in this book where because of how the faithful were talking about heretics where i forgot they were actually human beings mm-hmm. um and i was like what sorts of creatures are these heretics again
0: <laughs> uh <laughs> huh.
1: so it's just so interesting like the way that the language right the language that gets used to talk about you know the heretics the opposing side the mm-hmm. way that when lady storm connects right because her and essie fell in love many years ago and then met each other again you know when this siege happened and the way that they are connecting and trying to find like a way forward that is more peaceful uh it makes me so interested in what is going to happen in future books yeah Um, and so sad about what what transpired in this book and misery is kind of refusal to like being open to being wrong
0: yeah yeah it is i have to imagine that how future books tell these stories and present these characters and like resolve or at least interrogate some of these like dynamics will really sort of uh like shape my ultimate feelings on like this story in this Mm -mm. book. You know what I mean? And that's so fascinating a feeling to walk away with. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's really a wild story and like such a massive swing to, to take the character from where they are, like the main character from where they are at the beginning of the book and then leave them off where they are at the end of the book. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. And respect. And I hope that <laughs> it ultimately feels... Like, I hope that ultimately I feel better about Misery and no Maki by the end of this saga.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean... Really so hope.
1: <laughs> there, I, like... Or that it's interrogated
0: the, in a very particular way.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, um, like, towards the end of this, it might even be in the epilogue, there is a line that I think... Uh, Ruin says, like, is there one among us who has not behaved badly in this tale?
0: Uh, <laughs>
1: it's like, no. <laughs> like, And yeah. Jericho's response is touche, right? Because, like, yeah. everybody has sucked at some point in this. Um, mm-hmm. And so how do you move forward when everybody has sucked? How can you find reconciliation? How can you find peace when all this harm has transpired, right? Um, which yeah. is, like, a very relevant question, um
0: that was also then, a really fascinating thing to have at the end there that conversation with jericho and ruin
1: mm-hmm. where at
0: one point jericho was just like hey this is pretty confusing how this all went down and like as a reader i'm like yeah you're us <laughs> like, <laughs> you're us <laughs> but then to have ruin respond the way that you just described them responding is also kind of perfect
1: yeah and i'm i'm so ruin so for yeah. the, the majority of the book we know ruin through misery yes and misery sees ruin initially as a sign of uh like void sickness which is a thing that i don't fully understand but explodes people
0: yeah it is it is a uh like a literal sickness i think it, it is what inf- like infected the ark initially and it makes you uh it, it it you end up with delusions like like literal like visual hallucinations and also it eventually like eats away at your body and you explode.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I imagined it like. Have you ever seen the 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 movie Akira, the anime movie Akira? No. I imagine it very much like that. It's very gruesome and gross.
1: (laughs) I probably will not watch that. Uh, So I'll take your word for it.
0: (laughs) It's where the motorcycle slide comes from that you see in, like, everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Ruin, right? First we meet Ruin and uh, assume to be a delusion. Then when uh, Misery kind of embraces uh, her role – they start to see ruin as an angel, as like a a, 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 messenger. a messenger. Yeah. Yes, of uh, the lyrics forge, demiurge. I don't know if they're the same thing or different facets of the same
0: okay. thing. Okay. Side note: Why did everything need to have like five names in this? <laughs> <one>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're all yeah. cool names: neon, yang but <laughs> very there are I'm a very, lot of names. Yeah, I'm grateful for
1: your notes here, Doug. Um
0: <laughs> I realized very early I was going to have to start our notes uh, yeah. <laughs> early. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and then in this epilogue, in the conversation between Jericho and Ruin, because for the longest time it it, it appears as though Misery is the only person who can see Ruin. Yeah, she's the
0: only one who interacts with Ruin ever.
1: Well, not ever, because in the epilogue, Jericho is interacting with Ruin. And there's a line where um, Jericho says, I think I'm beginning to understand why our ancestors were afraid of artificial intelligence. All of these things happened, which happened uh, because of your curiosity. And Ruin had made a remark about, I did all this so I could get my mech back. So I could get my, like... Archangel Seraph back. Is Ruin a fucking AI that was originally in that mech?
0: I don't know because I I got the impression that Ruin could be AI, which means is Ruin just Alice? Like is Ruin just a remnant of Alice, the original Mm -hmm. AI from the arc? Is Ruin an offshoot, a totally separate AI? I also kind of got the impression that like the mech that they were piloting they explicitly said the mech were not for humans, right? like they had to adapt right. humans to use these mech, which makes sense because they sound horrific. they sound like they do horrible things to your body when you pilot them. I don't understand
1: um, how you even get into them because they're stone
0: well we could, uh, yeah we could <laughs> that's the whole thing <laughs> Stone is very interesting in this in this in this book, but I also kind of sometimes got the impression that ruin was maybe just like a different like intelligent life in the universe that mm. the mech were built for. But I guess if they were AI and the mech weren't built for humans and were just meant to be piloted by AI, that would kind of be the same thing. Um, yeah, I have no idea what Ruin is. I have no clue. But Stone. <laughs>
1: Holy Stone. Child Stone. I don't understand the Child Stone. They never talked about that, but they said it was a thing. We could get back to Stone. But is Ruin... The being on the cover of the book bes- behind Misery?
0: Well, maybe. I interpret that as the Archangel Mech. Like, I think that's oh. what the Archangel Mech looks like. But I also oh, feel Doug, like...
1: you are my... I think you're right.
0: I I, th- I think that's well, what I mean, it. That
1: is if they're one and the same.
0: Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if... Because I, f- I feel like, and I wish I could cite it, but I feel like at one point they did describe Ruin as similar to
1: yeah, what the, the archangel
0: mech looks like. Yeah. Or yeah. at least a, a seraph mech. Because there's the seraph mechs, which are like four arms, four legs, uh, which is a cool image. And then the archangel mech is like that, but like, like way more extreme.
1: Yeah. Good call.
0: So I'm not sure we have, an, I, I don't think we're supposed to have an answer quite yet of what Ruin is, but I think we're supposed to ask the question that you presented, which is just like, what is Ruin? Now that yeah. we have these hints at the end of the book. Stone is interesting. I thought stone was going to be a bigger part of this based on like the first third of this book Mm -hmm. because misery is a stone bender. I feel like they only use that term once in the book, um, but I'm glad they did because I was having a hard time describing what she could do with stone, but Mm -hmm. stone bending is perfect if you're familiar with Avatar, The Last Airbender, (laughs) because I think that's what she can do. Yeah. Um, But it does sound like there are some stones in this universe that are like, for lack of a better term, living stone. And I think those are the holy stones. And those are things that people who have this ability, which is usually attributed to people who have void sickness. Those are stones that human beings or saints, yeah, can resonate with and then manipulate. And then there's what they call dead stone, which is just like what we would understand like rocks and stone to be. So like she would always clarify like this temple is made of like dead marble. So like, she couldn't do anything about it. She couldn't manipulate it. But it, like when I, I, how did you like imagine it? Like to me, it felt like liquid when she was manipulating yeah, it. It's it was a yeah. yeah.
1: And like, especially in the beginning in that like chase scene, she was like moving through it in a very fluid and fast fashion. Yeah. She was using it to fall in certain ways and so i imagined her um (laughs) kind of like in fortnite that one time we played when you can be (laughs) that like silvery blob that you can oh yeah into other silvery like spaces and through walls out fortnite reference (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm a gamer (laughs) but something like that
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a oh, that's such a good image. I wish I had thought of that when I was reading the book because I was like trying to imagine what it would look like for them to travel through mm. stone. And that's such a good that's such a good image. I like that a lot. Yeah. But then I felt like this the the stone bending of it all didn't really matter as much um, after that first like third. It came up here and there, and it sounds like she had a specific, special sort of ability to pilot the seraph and then the archangel mech uh, because she wasn't actually piloting it like a human. She was piloting it through her ability to stone bend. Did you get that same impression?
1: That's what I got too.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cause like, I, okay. That scene where it was like describing like when she was being like crushed by the seraph, horrifying, horrifying. Yeah. That is one of the like most horrifying things I've ever read. <laughs> like, it was so bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just like being enveloped and and encased in stone, but then like being crushed by it at the same time. She
1: died. She died.
0: Fully died. (laughs) Fully died. (laughs) Was absolutely dead. Yeah. Canonically. (laughs) (laughs) Wild. Wild, wild, wild. So wild. Yes. Oh man. There are so many characters in this book. Is there anybody we haven't mentioned yet that you really enjoyed or feel like is worth bringing up?
1: Oh, I mean, I feel like we at least hit on uh, some of the big the big players. I, mm-hmm. I um, as soon as lightning and uh, misery fought and the way they looked at each other afterward, I was like, mm, oh, yeah, they're going to get together. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. I was like, they're uh, absolutely enemies to lovers. written yeah, All over a them.
1: thousand percent. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I mean, I was here for it. Yeah, uh, I I liked Lightning's kind of like wild nature. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if we get to hear more about some people. Ghost is fascinating to me. The clone me saints are fascinating, and I just want to know more about like and Ghost. I especially. thought they were going to be
0: a bigger part too.
1: Yeah, because Ghost was like, am I am I unholy? Am is there something wrong with me? Right, and so like
0: yeah,
1: uh, because. In religion, right, there's doctrine that says one thing and then people behave and act differently to fit Mm -hmm. their needs and then put people, in this instance, people they created kind of at the center or in the middle of that tension. And so how do you feel, right? Um, How do you make sense of your existence, your way of being when you are – when the thing that you are literally made to kind of uphold or believe in is telling you that you do not – not right but then the people who are interpreting it are saying you are right because they want to use you for a specific purpose fascinating
0: yeah i feel like this book is the type of and this world like this whole universe i feel like it's the kind of thing where like you could tell endless stories about so many things and characters in this universe Mm -hmm. because we got so many tastes of things that then didn't get explored further in this particular like in the confines of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost has like a Star Wars-y feel to it mm. where like sometimes old Star Wars movies would like reference something that clearly George Lucas had thought about or someone thought would be like an interesting reference that then doesn't get explored further within the confines of that particular movie but then comes up later or like they build a whole story around, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the Clone Wars was like a throwaway comment and is now like an entire era of the series, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like this kind of has that potential, especially like if it continues to build out, if Nian Yang writes more even than just these three books, if they write novellas or if they end up yeah. writing a whole nother series or you know concurrent stories or something, I feel like it could have that same effect where it's just like, you know, these characters that you're briefly introduced to. Dr. Cabbage. I fucking love Dr. Cabbage. <laughs> what a like good Dr. Name. Cabbage, I know, right, was one of the few like empire faithful like characters that i was like totally here for uh <laughs> because they had so much terrible shit done to them that i like couldn't help but root for them yeah um like i wouldn't be surprised if in a future book we just learned so much more about them or about ghost or about uh like tank tank the, like the tank tank like on the ship thing. gotta be gotta be you know um, I also will not be happy to see him, but I have to imagine we're going to get way more of Krem, her brother, oh, her shitty brother, <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: her like shitty, abusive priest brother. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's so fascinating how many, there's so many characters to keep track of. I don't know that most of them are done a lot of justice in this particular book, but I could see them being way bigger characters in future stories or getting like much deeper backstory in in, in other other stories. I also wouldn't be mad if future stories jumped narrators. I Mm. I wish that this book gave us more perspective than just miseries, but I can understand why this book in particular as the first one stuck to misery because a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the questions we've been asking about um, like how we're supposed to see things wouldn't work as well if we got to see outside of Misery's perspective. So I, I get it. Um, yeah. But I would love to hear from other people.
1: Yeah, it is interesting because the narrator is Ruin, but Ruin is like, I don't know what exactly that relationship with Misery was like or what you know, yeah. access there was. But like, if you don't read the first chapter, you don't read the epilogue mm-hmm. or the intro, the intro and the epilogue, and you just read like chapters one through whatever. um, You'd be like, oh, okay, cool. I I don't know that this is a story being told to somebody between right. you know, or between two people. This is just the story of misery, Um mm-hmm. and mi- you know, it's an omniscient. Is that one of those omniscient narrator? Yeah, omniscient knows third everything. person. Yeah, yeah. Which is true, but it's through Ooh. ruin, which is. This is a thing I'm
0: conflicted about. I'm not conflicted about the reality of who the narrator is. Like you're 100% right. That's exactly what it is. But like I'm conflicted about how I feel about it because mm. if it were if it were first person through misery, it would be so much easier for me to stomach not knowing any other perspectives or not knowing like being able to say like okay well misery is just a person who learned only this side of things. Of course they're only going to think this way, but ruin knowing more than just Misery's story, but telling Misery's story makes me like, it starts to confuse certain things. So then there's like certain parts of the book where it's like, okay, Ruin can offer perspective on this other character for Mm -hmm. these three paragraphs because it wouldn't make sense for Misery to know this, but we think it's important for the reader to know this. And so then there's like brief moments here and there where it slips out of just being ruin telling misery's perspective into shedding light into other people's perspective but it's never for like a full chapter or even really for like a full page and some of those moments got a little bit muddy for me where i was like does misery know this or not because i don't think she would know this
1: right yeah cause but Rune i guess maybe definitely... that's why
0: you choose ruin as the narrator because then you can be a little bit more flexible with it
1: right yeah because ruin's definitely not telling misery everything uh, no. Ruin is intentionally uh, vague and mysterious. And it it is kind of funny to me that at least in this chapter, this like final epilogue chapter, the mm-hmm. motivation we find out for Ruin doing <laughs> what happened, right? For like instigating and setting off some of the stuff is just because of the mech. And wanting it back,
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is such so a wild. wild motivation. It's so like I don't want to say juvenile because it's understandable, but it's so funny that it's 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 just like I want my I want my thing back. Like yeah. you've taken my thing, dies. and I want my thing. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: get my thing back. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, depending on what the serifs and the mech are, like where they came from, how humanity intersected with them, like I also get it.
1: Right. You know. And how rune intersected, right? So is mm-hmm. that an actual body? Uh like is yeah. that yeah.
0: I mean, I would totally get it. I mean, if it turns yeah. out that these humans are just piloting like these dormant bodies of of like an entirely different intelligent life in the universe, like damn, I'm rooting yeah. for the serifs. You know what I mean? That's so <laughs> fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Um especially if they know. You know, yeah. like we don't always know what they know in, in this book. Uh, And it could be a thing they don't know they're doing, but they would know they didn't invent these. They would know that they just came across them. So at the very least, they stole them. Right. Fascinating stuff. I mean, it's a really wild book. And there were so many points at which I didn't know how I felt about it. Um, And I do think a lot of that is like really clever manipulation of our perspective as the reader on the part of Nian Yang. Like it's very clear, even just the way that they write, that they're very clear good at what they do, even Mm. if I felt really conflicted about it at certain points and talking about it makes me appreciate it a lot more. So I'm glad we did read this together and are talking about it. Um, I'm really interested to see like where they go from here. Me too.
1: Me too. So fascinated.
0: I I don't want to say it's make or break because I I think there's a couple directions it would work, but I'm really fascinated (laughs) Yeah. because me and Misery, we're not vibing right now. You know, we're not vibing (laughs) at this very moment.
1: Mad
0: at misery, <laughs> a little mad at misery. <laughs> uh, also, uh, this isn't anything, but like, man, can you imagine being named misery?
1: I know, like, I know when- everyone
0: has sort of like less common or traditionally, uh, like uncommon names, like, by our measure. But misery is like they're all still words people would use in regular conversation. Like they're not obscure. So being named misery would be something else.
1: <laughs> yeah. When we when you suggested this book and the title was the genesis of misery, I was like, oh shit, this is gonna, it's gonna be gonna rough. Be a downer, huh? Yeah. I mean, and it it's not wrong, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of misery caused by mm-hmm. misery. Um, yeah. And others. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: I mean, it was interesting to read the book and realize that like the title is referencing basically like the biblical sense of Genesis of a character named Misery. I was like, "Oh." Mm-hmm. And then to learn that it's like Joan of Arc inspired, I was like, "Okay, this does make a lot more sense." That, like it's clearly yeah, yeah, it's clearly meant to reference something like this. It is interesting learning about Joan of Arc. I don't want to go super into it. I it, it's definitely not one to one, especially like on the political side of things. I think the Joan of Arc political uh context i think makes a little bit more sense to me than some of the political stuff happening in this book but i don't know that we got a great picture of the political stuff happening in this book it sounds like by the end of the book they almost reference like five different sort of political interests as opposed to just the three-ish that maybe we Mm -hmm. understood so there's clearly a more complicated web out there Um, but as far as like misery being like this younger sort of protect like hero who um like has these visions and gets these messages from angels uh and then goes on to be this like military figure uh that all is very clearly yeah uh you know joan of arc stuff
1: yeah what do you think in uh thumb wise
0: Oh, I was so like I said, I was so conflicted at so many points during this book, but I think ultimately it is a thumbs up for me because the more I think about it and the more I allow myself to just trust that Neon Yang intentionally put together something that was kind of uh confusing and like subversive, the more mm-hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. even if I didn't necessarily like characters. Like me liking characters doesn't necessarily mean I do or don't like the story. So Mm -hmm. I think it's right now I'm at a thumbs up. It could be that I wake up tomorrow and I'm like, actually, you know, (laughs) Uh, or it could be that the next book comes out and I'm like, I'm gonna take back my thumbs up. But right now I think I'm on a thumbs up because I think it's such a wild swing to tell this character's story this way and leave intentionally so much perspective like out of sight from the readers it's frustrating but I appreciate it yeah does that make any sense
1: yeah because I think I think I'm in a similar uh, vein of thinking so I before we talked uh, my partner had asked me like how did you like the book and I was like I don't know yet because I finished very shortly before we started um talking and recording. And so I was like, I feel like I need to process it to know how I feel about it. And mm-hmm. if in the way I am interpreting it right now is true, where it is intentional, like you need to sit with the muddiness, you need to sit with the confusion, you need to think about how these things impact someone's decision making and uh how like the questions that it brings up. Um, I f I feel like I really like those questions. And I really like um I Like that, it's challenging me. Um,
0: yeah.
1: so as long as it's like, as long as it doesn't turn out in future books that like misery breaks out, and uh, we're supposed to like love her when she is killing heretics and destroying <laughs> people, and that is the good yeah. thing, right? Like that, re- this religious dogma should rule, and that. We need to follow and get in line type of thing. As long as that doesn't happen. Um, right. And I don't feel like it is. I
0: don't. I don't I, either. But I'm with you. I feel like tentative about it because I'm like worried that I'm gonna be like, yeah, hell yeah. And then the future will be that. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. think it will.
1: I don't think it will. But we I'm just like,
0: don't know because of where it ends.
1: <laughs> right. Because it's making me question. <laughs> and right. so it's it's hard not to to continue to question. um especially we're so fresh in it right like oh yeah this whole book has made me think and question and so it's hard not to think and question about what would happen next because literally the whole time that's what i've been doing um but i like that and and quite i know it happens but i feel like queer and non-binary people generally you know are down for having people question stuff. And so I don't I don't feel I like it's going to go into the, hell yeah, religious domination. That's the way to go. Um, I would also
0: be just absolutely dumbfounded if, yeah. in, if in the year 2023, 2024, whatever, a queer writer has the thesis, like, the church is right. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. religious <laughs> extremists are right. Like, yeah. I just... I don't know. But but that's not how books are written, you know? Like, that's not how... Like, it is, but it isn't at the same time. So, like, right. who knows?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I'm trusting. I'm trusting that uh, I'm going to... The book is going conti- to... The books in the future, right, are going to probably still challenge and question, but in meaningful and, and I think, important ways. So, I I think I am a thumbs up. Um, yeah. I will say that the writing, the like... Doug mentioned there are sometimes five five names for the same thing. Um, yeah. That is true, right? So there is. Uh, you have to be willing to be like. I don't fully understand what that means, but I'm going to keep reading. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: so be ready for
0: that. Neon Yang is also a very like has a very wide vocabulary. I don't feel like I've Their read a book.
1: Molecular biologist.
0: Right, they sure are, and it shows. Like I, and the, you know, it, this is a fun experience to have if if it doesn't you know halt your reading too much. But I don't feel like I've had to look up so many words reading a book in oh a very yeah. long time as I did this book. And sometimes it was like, you know, if I if I'm reading a book and I don't know a word, I usually am like, all right, I kind of get it from context. I'm just going to keep you know chugging along. But there were times where, like, the same word would appear. And I'm like, I still don't know what this word means. And they are using it more. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to look this up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's a thing, too. I also, you know, with with the trusting, you know, future books or whatever, I do think um, I will need, like, the supporting cast to be fleshed out. I do think this book kind of, like has so many characters that just don't get very much. So I'm also trusting that Neon Yang is going to explore uh more of these characters and if if they don't, then like my thumb's going to start inching, you know, a little bit more more down cuz that was to me like kind of a weakness of the book was like you're presenting us with these cool characters but then we don't get to actually learn about them, which is a bummer. So mm-hmm. um it's interesting. I don't know that we've walked away from a book with such a like tentative rating before where it's like we like it, but it could also go very wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably I think probably won't. <laughs> th- yeah. This book, right? Like this book as it stands, I feel like the way I interpreted and hearing that there's going to be future books, I really do feel like it's going to be a thumbs up. I'm not as bothered right. by the the character, extended character, not sure. getting to know them as much. I would... Some of the ones I mentioned, I would love to get to know more. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And maybe we will, hopefully, you know. Um, But I do feel like this book, as it stands, after our conversation, I am giving a thumbs up and only if I am, and I, again, I do not see this happening in any world, (laughs) right? But because, again, this book is making me question, like, think and question and dig into meaning, right?
0: Uh, on purpose and, which is one of the things that's so interesting about right. it. Right.
1: <laughs> and like now I'm like but if maybe they did go that go that route would they also have these things in there that would make us like Cuz this book doesn't this book like <clears throat> doesn't tell you what to think, but it yeah. has things in there that make you think. And so even if yeah. they did go down that route, would there still be things in there that make you think? And then I would still be like, <laughs> ah, yeah, but it's like it's not saying it, but it's saying it, you know? So I don't know. Let's just stop, because I'm going to keep going in circles. Yeah, it's
0: wild. <laughs> I, I I am so interested in reading. This is Neon Yang's first like novel, as I understand, but they have written other fiction. And I'm so interested to find some of their other fiction, because this is mm. kind of a mind fuck. And I just yeah. am so curious to see if like this is indicative of all their writing, or if this is like just how their novel writing manifests, you know? Yeah. So, you know, who who knows, maybe future episode I will, I will uh, update on that if I end up reading uh, their other stuff, but. uh, Yeah. I mean, I plan on
1: now that I know there are more books I am going, I'm going to read the, you know, the future books.
0: Yeah. I think I'm pretty set on that too. I think I need to, I wasn't sure at certain points during this book. I was like, I don't know if I, but like now I think I need to, like, I think I need to know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you got me you, you got, got me neon
0: yeah well
1: thanks for uh picking this one doug this thinker and thanks yeah. for talking it through <laughs> i like really needed this <laughs> oh yeah me so, too uh and thanks everybody for listening and if you read the genesis of misery and want to let us know what you thought about it um or th- even thought about things we didn't mention there's a lot that happens in this book um, or a lot of other questions that could be brought up feel free to email us at novelgamingpodcast at gmail.com or reach out on twitter at novelgamingpod and if you like what we do uh, you can rate review subscribe to novel gaming wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'd uh, super appreciate it and I was trying to think of, like, some mech pun or something, but I didn't. (laughs) So we're going to move on from that and just say we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) talk about this who ruin and jericho right and end up kind of inserting things whoa yeah ruin right out there (laughs) um ruining our podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i think i'm in like a similar train i think i'm (laughs) in a similar train
0: in a similar train (laughs) that's what they say
1: (laughs) that's the saying (laughs) tatki batwi (laughs) Similar train.